Welcome to the ROTC Scholarship Podcast, hosted by former Army ROTC Professor of Military Science, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Rob Kirkland. In these episodes, we explore how to best prepare yourself to obtain one of these valuable scholarships for those applicants who wish to attend a college or university and become officers in the military. The application process can be complex and confusing. This podcast works to make it more understandable. And now, the ROTC Scholarship Podcast. So today we're going to talk about SAT and ACT. And I thought that that wasn't required. Anymore. Well, wouldn't that be nice <laughs> if it wasn't? <laughs> I think half the people listening to this probably go, oh, I wish it was gone. I can't stand that test. When it would work with folks, a lot of them are happy to have that behind them. And a lot of schools these days are either test optional or test blind, where they don't require the SAT or ACT anymore. Service academies and ROTC, what's what's the story there, Trish? Well, it's definitely still required. During the height of COVID, the, the academies and ROTCs were very, very hesitant to come off the SAT, ACT. Matter of fact, it was like they had to come off kicking and screaming. They want that objective measure of students nationwide. And they like the test. They like the fact that everybody's got to take something that's standard. They like that measure and they believe it's it's a predictive of success at ROTCs and service academies. So they are, they are sticking to that and they stuck to it only, they stuck to it even during the height of COVID until they couldn't when there was a, not enough students taking it or were unable to take it. And then they sort of backed off. But what I've noticed with several candidates that we worked with that didn't take it, they didn't get in to the academy. So it was kind of one of those things where the where they were even hesitant to admit somebody who who didn't take the test, even though maybe they had they were strong in other areas, but even if they had an excuse not to take it. So so you can see how important that is to 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 the military in, in regards to determining whether or not you get into an academy or, or get an ROTC scholarship. And sir, specifically for our service academies, why do you think it's such an important objective measure? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And you and I have kind of gone back and back and forth on this. What I believe is the reason is because congressionally they require the congressional has under under their directives to the service academies they have required the top 150 candidates who won a nomination through their member of congress who do not win their congressional district that the service academies required to take the top 150 of their whole candidate score those are known as qualified alternates they didn't win their congressional district and so you've got to have some sort of objective measure to determine nationwide who those top 150 students are. And so you can certainly look at your grades, you can look at how competitive your school is, your your athlete and leader credentials, but that SAT or ACT, which accounts for about 40% of the overall whole candidate score, is a great objective marker where they can say, okay, these are our top 150 people based on 40% of our determination of that is based on a standardized test that every candidate had to take. So it gives the academies confidence and they can go back to the members of Congress and, and assure them that, that we had an objective measure for to determine those qualified alternates in the top 150. Really 
really good point. And so I think the next question is, does it matter if you take the SAT or ACT for Service Academy or ROTC scholarship? From what I can see, no. I mean, the, the I think the SAT and ACT are equal valid for admission to ROTCs and Service Academies. Those scores are looked at and they're compared with each other. I think that, they, that the academies have a very good idea of how they compare to each other. And so there's really not a difference that I see between the two tests. I know you're going to discuss in, in, in here right after I get done with this is how do you determine which test that you want to take? I think you can be rest assured that if you're better at the ACT than the SAT, it's not going to really matter to the academies. It's really trying to get the, the highest score you possibly can. Exactly. So no difference between the two tests in terms of preference. You won't get preferential treatment, but students have different strengths and weaknesses. And it's really critical that you pay attention to what your strengths and weaknesses are as a student, as a test taker to make the determination of, okay, which test do I think I should take? But before we get into the differences and how you can choose, I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. You should take both tests. Because we can talk about the strengths and, and weaknesses of both tests all day long. But at the end of the day, the best way to find out what test is best for you is to take both tests. A lot of times what we'll recommend is we're going to go over maybe if you have these strengths and these weaknesses, you should take this test. If one test sounds better to you based on that, I would go ahead and start preparing for that test and then sign up for the, the test that's going to happen within the next month if it's for the opposite test. And just make sure that you're putting your full effort in for both tests because you never know what's going to happen. Some students think, oh, I'm going to do much better on the SAT, and they end up just crushing the ACT instead. So let's jump into the key differences between the SAT and the ACT. First off, they're both about four hours long, uh, give or take, three hours to four hours, depending on whether or not you're taking the essay with the ACT. But the SAT is four sections. It's reading, writing and language, and then math with no calculator and math with a calculator. And the SAT specifically is a lot more, it's really focused on heavily on math and critical thinking. There's a lot more time for questions. So if you like to take your time on questions and not go as fast, and you don't like the pressure, the SAT might be the right option for you. Conversely, the ACT, a lot more emphasis on language arts. There's, let's see, the sections are English, math, reading, science, and then writing is optional at the end. And with this in mind, the question, it's a lot faster paced of a test. You're going to be moving through these questions really quickly. So if you get nervous, again, you might not have time to finish everything. And so that's a lot of times when students won't perform as well in the ACT is because they're, they're rushed and they just didn't get to finish the whole section. Another key difference here is that uh, reading comprehension for the SAT, it's a lot more in-depth with, with analysis, and, and the ACT is, is a lot more just basic reading proficiency. And then the biggest difference is also science. There is no science section on the SAT. It's mixed in throughout the whole test. However, you don't need to really have a I mean, the science is going to come through, but it's just not a specific test. Specific test. So when we're looking at, at the service academies and ROTC scores, sir, how would you talk about looking at the SAT 
versus the ACT in terms of math and science? What's the what's the difference there with with the STEM composite? Yeah, it's really about the same. So the SAT math or the ACT science slash math, it accounts for about 60% of the overall whole candidate score versus 40% of the overall SAT or ACT score is the reading or English or the English on the SAT. So you want to be able to do better on the SAT. You want to be able to do better on math, science, or math than you do on the English or reading section. So, so that's emphasized more than, than the other ones. So you, so you just want to make sure that particularly if you're doing better on the English and reading side, you want to try to raise math and science or, or math score in order to be able to take advantage of the higher weighting for the technical side of, these, of this test. And that's a really interesting point, too, because so many people kind of ignore science altogether. They think, oh, it's, it's all about math, right? Because it's the service academies are engineering schools. We need to focus on math. But you actually should be looking at your STEM composite, which it's on the score sheet. It's that, just the average of your math and science score. And that's kind of the equivalent of SAT math and how the service academies are comparing those two numbers. So when you're looking at your scores, don't compare ACT math with SAT math. Compare, make sure you're comparing your ACT STEM composite with that. Yeah, absolutely. And based on talking to the experts who prep people on the in science versus, say, the English portion, they firmly believe that it's easier to raise your math and science score, just a math score in the SAT, than it is to raise your verbal score or your English or reading score. The people that do really well on the reading section or the English section tend to be tend to be people who have been lifelong readers, have been reading books since they've been kids. They've been read listened to to books on tape, and they're just they're just very much very much have been involved with a lot of reading and things like that. And it's very, very difficult to build vocabulary and build those skills quickly in order to be able to do well on this test. So if you're looking at, you've got six months or a year to take this test, you're just not going to get from here to there on the the verbal or English sections. You're just not going to get there. You're just not suddenly going to be able to consume 2,000 books and do better on the verbal section. I will say, though, that sometimes the reason why students are scoring poorly is because they just don't have good test taking skills. Maybe they understand the content really well. It's just, they get into the test and they just, you know, they don't do well. So I think that's the point when you are working with a tutor or making sure that instead of just working on the questions and the materials, you're actually focusing on the structure of the test. So you're focusing specifically on ACT prep, test prep and, and the types of questions if you're taking the ACT or vice versa for the SAT. But that's a huge component is how well do you do when you're under pressure? And are you, are you taking those practice tests time and time again to just get that muscle memory of the types of questions that are being asked on these tests too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's right alongside what I just mentioned there, certainly. I mean, it's the ability to be able to take that test. And then it's hackable. The math and the science is hackable and can be raised quick. And so if you get like what you're talking about, you get good at the the questions and you get better at test taking. If you practice the math and the science, you can raise those scores up quicker and they count for more. So there you go. So it's double. So if you work on those areas and you start doing better on those things, it's going to then count for more. 
now we're talking about the service academies, ROTC, it's, it's, it's equal. It's not, there's not a weighting towards the SAT or, or the ACT math or science for, for most of the ROTC scholarships. If we had to summarize the, the key differences, the first question that I would ask is, are you a fast test taker? Do you do well under pressure? Because if you are, maybe the ACT is the better option for you. And if not, if you like to take your time a little bit more and and you're more about critical thinking and analysis, then, then go towards the, the SAT. Also, is math your strongest suit or or do you prefer science? Because some people are split evenly. Some people prefer one over the other. And if you really like math and maybe science isn't your forte, you could probably go towards the SAT as well. So those are two really important things to think about. Another thing that I, I do want to mention is just the fact that the SAT is going to the digital SAT and the high school graduating class of 2025 is going to be the first class that takes that. It's just going to be digital. And there will be a little bit of transition time in between paper and digital, but that's going to make a huge impact for students because currently there's a no calculator section on the SAT and that's going to be going away. The whole SAT, you'll be able to use a calculator but also, not everybody does well on a computer when they're testing on a computer versus pen and paper. I personally, I prefer pen and paper and something that I can. And so that's another that's going to be another consideration, especially so for, for high school sophomores right now, most likely they'll be taking the digital SAT. So just keep that in mind with the difference between the ACT and SAT as well. That's a really important part. As far as specifics go. Let's break down the service academies versus okay. ROTCs. Now, why, sir, why are we talking about these together? Why is it important to address both service academy and ROTC together? Well, a lot of people who are applying to the service academies are also applying to ROTCs also. And I know we've always encouraged that for candidates is that You'll be in a service academy essay or a service academy interview, and a lot of times uh, the question that will be asked is, what is your plan if you don't get into a service academy? And the best answer for that is, my plan is is that I, I plan to do ROTC, and I want to become an officer in that service because you can reach that goal through ROTC or through a, a service academy. That's always the best answer to give, showing that you're not going to a service academy. So you can graduate from a service academy, but you're going to a service academy and as an alternate ROTC to become an officer. So these are going to be taken together. So they should be paired up. So you should always be applying to ROTCs in conjunction with the service academy for that reason and for the reason that you want to become an officer in that service. So given that, you need to have an idea of how the service academies and ROTC looks at things because the service academies are pretty standardized, but ROTC has some wrinkles to it. So there is some differences between the two that you need to understand as far as the weighting goes and the some of the rules that they apply to it. But I would say that's the reason why we want to take these things together. So for, for service academies, you're just looking at the, the whole Canada score, for West Point or the whole person multiple for Navy or the selection composite score if you're talking about Air Force Academy. SAT math, ACT STEM composites worth anywhere from 25 to 30% of that overall score with verbal and English being being worth about 15%. So that's pretty standard across the board. The good news is, is that everything is super scored. So if you go in there, they're, they're going to take the best individual section component. Now they won't cross best verbal from SAT and then best STEM composite from 
ACT, they won't mix those up, but they will take the best from each individual test, which is great because students who who do very well verbally and they just need a little bit more help with STEM and, and math can go in and they can keep raising that score again and again. Right. Yeah. And that's the question that sometimes is asked by some candidates is, should I take this test multiple times and what will the academy think? Or what will the academy think if I raise the score in one area and it it goes down in another area? Like just say, if you're trying to improve your math score and and you raise your math score, but your verbal score goes down, obviously super score takes the best. But then the question says, what will the academy think of that if suddenly my verbal score goes down 100 points? Well, I mean, I think the way that the service academy looks at it is, and ROTCs too, is that they see you as somebody who really wants to go to an academy, really wants to raise up their score and is a person who never quits. And that's one of the attributes that the academy is looking for is, are you a person who has a lot of resilience, who just really wants this and is going to take this again and again and again? And so I really think that taking the test multiple times is, is like, is really looked at positively by by the service academies. And I've seen this borne out in, in a number of examples of candidates that, that we've seen. What do we always say? Test early and often. That's our yeah. Test Ex- early and often. Exactly. I'd love to see people test earlier than they. As soon as you get the math and science background that you need in order to be able to take that test, because a lot of candidates, yeah, a lot of the candidates these days, by the time they get to 11th, they've got actually more math and science than than what's being tested on the ACT or SAT. So there's no disadvantages in my mind to be able to take the test earlier if you want to do that. But it shows the academies that you're that you're resilient, that you that you that you are really want this. And so yeah, take that test and take it take it as many times as you can do until you can't stand it any longer or until you're convinced that you can't raise it up, raise the score up anymore. And students are taking the PSAT sophomore year. It's a great idea to take the SAT shortly after that just to see how you do and then go from the to the ACT from there as well, potentially. But like you said, it's, it's really just about getting in there and not resting on your laurels. Because students, you get busy, you're focused on your application for the service academies at the end of junior year. And it's so overlooked. We talk about it so often where students are focusing on their extracurriculars when you know, they have leadership, they have all these things already, and really they're doing themselves a disservice by not continuing to raise their SAT, ACT scores, especially if they're below a certain level. So where would you say that level is, sir? What's a good goal? Yeah, I'd say if you're looking at trying to get into the top 150, which is really what you want to try to do, because you really can't, if I'm talking about service academy, and we'll talk about ROTC here in a second, but service academy, I mean, you want to in my mind, get over a 1400 with definitely over a 700 math score for SAT and an ACT a composite of 32 with hopefully your math and science being 32 or above to really kind of have that shot at the top 150. And the reason why you want to be in that top 150 is because you're guaranteed an admission to a service academy. If you're in the top 150, and the only way you can do that is to really get those scores. You're not going to be in the top 150 if you're below that. And you can't count on winning your congressional district because there could be that person who's competing in your member of Congress's congressional district that has a 1580 SAT. And your chances of winning that district are, are low. So you've got to count in that top 150. 
And so that's really, you know, what was going to get you there. And I can't emphasize what you just said. We see it time and time again, where the, the SAT and ACT is sort of not, the question is often asked, what do I need to do to get into a service academy? And it's staring them right in the face. It's the SAT or ACT. And we really can't, a lot of their other areas are, are really good. And, but yet you want, should I add another class or should I do this extra activity? And the reality is, is that it's not going to help you that much. You want to, you've got to raise that score. And a lot of students don't want to hear that. They don't do well mm-hmm. on the test and they don't want to hear that. They want to hear something else. And unfortunately there is no other answer for them. That's you know? very true. So I think kind of to round out the service academies, going back to the difference between the SAT and the ACT, the the SAT did away with the optional essay in 2021. Um, so now it's only the ACT that offers the optional essay. And of the three main service academies, Air Force, Navy, and West Point, only West Point requires that you take the optional ACT essay. So if you're going to apply to multiple service academies, just keep that in mind. If you're going to apply to West Point or you're thinking about it, maybe definitely don't close that door by not doing the optional essay for the ACT. What's with West Point anyway? They require the optional ACT essay. They require you videotaping your pull-ups and your and your push-ups. What is it? What is it? I said, we just like West Point more hardcore than the Air Force and Navy. I don't know. I don't know, sir. That's your alma mater. <laughs> That's right. We have standards at West Point compared to the <laughs> academies. All right. Well, maybe I should talk to some admission folks at West Point, ask them why, that, right. why they require that. In any event, okay, let me talk about ROTC, which has its own set of complexities to it. So the first thing I should say is that the test is required and is weighted, and the weight can be anywhere from around 15% for Navy ROTC and and the Marine Corps to upwards of 30 to 40% for Army and Air Force. So you're looking at a, a range of around between 15 and 30 to 40% for ROTC. It's interesting, the Navy ROTC and Marine Corps have started to kind of de-emphasize the SAT or ACT a little bit more than the Army and Air Force, but it's still an important component. I don't want to, at this point, say, well, if I'm going for a Navy ROTC scholarship, don't worry about the SAT or ACT. So you've got to do well on that test. And particularly for the Air Force and Navy, you want to score higher on the math score or the math science score because of the the technical emphasis of those two ROTC services, Navy and Air Force, and the high number of candidates to get a scholarship that are required to have engineering or hard science as a major. So so you want to continue to, to work to do well on that test and do the best that you can on the math and science portion of that. The second thing, and I think is kind of more important to emphasize here, is the fact that the Air Force... Okay, and Marine Corps are best sitting, which means that each test is taken in isolation, right? So I haven't really never gotten a straight answer as to why the Air Force and Marine Corps do best sitting, why they do that. But it's like they're the outliers. So Air Force Academy does super score, but Air Force ROTC does best sitting. Marines, as far as I checked last time, is part of the Navy. But yet the Marine Corps does best sitting and Navy, Navy ROTC does super score. So the Army ROTC does super score. So Army ROTC and Navy ROTC does super score. So we have then that kind of wrinkle that's going on there between the ROTC 
ROTC programs, which is interesting. Yeah, that is that is really interesting. And so would you kind of steer folks who just want to be an officer, would you steer them towards one branch or another based on their SAT, ACT scores, just with the fact now that Navy and, and Marine Corps are kind of de-emphasizing the, the tests a little bit more than Army and Air Force? Well, there's also other issues involved here. Mainly the Army has a lot more scholarships to give out, so their SAT scores are actually lower. So let's talk about kind of average SAT scores. So Navy... For SAT, you want to be in the 1300s or 1400s for Navy and Air Force ROTC. Actually, for Navy, over 1300, certainly, and if you can push over 1400, that's great, or 32 ACT with an emphasis on math and science. So Navy ROTC and, and Air Force ROTC are, have a similar profile to the service academies. They're as tough to get a scholarship for as the service academies. Now, let's talk about Army. Army is really a lot easier to get a scholarship. So I've had candidates who have gotten a scholarship with a 1050 SAT and a 24 ACT. Of course, I have Army ROTC scholarship cadets all the way to 1580. But but Army ROTC, generally, you can get have a lower SAT score and, and get a scholarship. Marine Corps is it's across the board, but I would say it's it's de-emphasized in the fact that is that in the fact that if you do well in other areas, such as being able to do well in the physical fitness test, that can overcome a T score or ACT score. So I think overall, I would say that you've got to do well in that you want to do well on this test, but. It really depends on the service. It depends on kind of your strengths. It's really, it's really hard to kind of just give a one source template kind of for ROTC. So I probably didn't explain that as well as I probably could no, have I, I mean, so, but okay. So let me, let me just see if I can break it down real quick here. Okay. So again, Navy and Air Force, because a lot of them are take the majors and technical majors, you're going to want to do well on the math score or the math and science score on the SAT or ACT. And the Navy will put a little bit more emphasis on your high school grades and the courses that you took for take versus the Air Force. The Marine Corps, just do well on the physical fitness test and try to score as best you can on the standardized test. And Army, a lot more scholarships. You should try to do as well as you can, but don't think that you're closed out of the test just because you get a 1050 or 1100 or at 2425 on the ACT. That's really good advice. And <laughs> just, I like the way you, you broke it down there too. That, that's great. Yeah. So how sometimes I just wonder how the heck you discombobulate all these things. So there's all these nuances, but on the other hand, we still go back to doing the best you can on these tests. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's continuing to test over and over again. And especially for ROTC, applying for multiple scholarships too, having your first priority and your backup. And the same with service academies. It's not just one way. It's not just service academy to ROTC. It's if you want to serve, are you willing to serve in different branches too? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, if you want to be an infantry officer, apply to, the, to and you've always wanted to be a Marine Corps infantry officer. Apply to the Marine Corps option and apply to Army also because the Army has infantry. So if you want to be a pilot, apply to Air Force, ROTC, and Navy. In other words, if you want to be a fixed-wing pilot, I guess, or the Marine Corps option. But a lot of these services have crossover. If you want to be a logistics officer, you can apply to all four 
or yes. actually you can't apply to all four. You can either either apply the, the Navy ROTC or Navy Marine Corps option, but apply to all three. Absolutely. So I think if we were going to sum up everything that we, we've said today, it's test early and often and make sure that you're, you're trying out both tests because you never know. You might do better on the SAT or ACT in spite of, of what you've heard here today. Absolutely. Just keep taking the test until you're convinced you can't do it any longer. It's not going to hurt your application to take this test multiple times. So true. So thanks for watching and until next time. Thanks for listening to the ROTC Scholarship Podcast. If you like what we're doing, please leave a quick review. If you have any questions or want more information about ROTC or our consulting services, please visit our website at rotcconsulting.com. Take care, and we'll see you next time.